Caroline Dowd Higgins, host of Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena with wisdom to help you thrive. This show provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And today I am delighted to welcome my special guest to the show, Jody Miller. Jody, welcome. Thank you so much, Caroline. Oh, I'm really excited to dive into a juicy conversation, but let me tell our global listening audience all about you. We all desire to be happy in our work and in our personal lives, yet a recent Gallup poll reports that at least a third of us are not. And today, my guest, Jody Miller, is career and life coach. Jody is known as the work happiness expert. Her new book is From Drift to Shift. How Change Can Bring True Meaning and Happiness to Your Work and Life. So welcome, Jody. I'm really excited, and I want to dive right in. What has your research found about why so many people feel unhappy and unfulfilled in their work? You know, there are a lot of reasons, Caroline, why this happens to people. Um, I think we have expectations set on us very young. Um, those can be from our parents. Those can be from our our environment, our social network, uh, our schooling that expect us to achieve to a certain level. There's a lot of pressure on people nowadays to do that. And what ends up happening is people follow paychecks. Yeah. And they end up going for, for example, let's take kids in private school, of which I personally had two out of my three. And they the resources that are surrounding these kids to push them to go to the best school they can get into, get the best job, which is usually a consulting job or a finance job or whatever pays best. And it's always the money. But that's not really what makes people happy in the end. And in my book, I've been an executive recruiter now for 13 years and I started out in television and then ended up being a strategic consultant for Fortune 100 companies. And then I became an investment banker in the media tech space. So I've always been been circling around the media space and got out of investment banking at the height of my career because I saw even at an early age that my kids were starting to stray a little bit. And I thought, hmm, there's a lot of pressure here and I need to make sure I'm around more. So I started this firm about 13 years ago and in the interim have been helping thousands of people find what they're meant to do and eventually, Caroline, find happiness at the end of that rainbow. And, And I've discovered that it's not all about the money. You know, I'm I'm so with you, Jody. As as a fellow uh, career and executive coach, my path is slightly different, but I intersect with a lot of people who are in those quote unquote great jobs that are paying yes. well, but they're miserable. So let's talk a little bit of how does happiness affect work productivity? Yes, um, here's a good example. One of my stories is a gentleman who used to run, or he was one of the senior executives at J.P. Morgan's venture capital arm. Okay, and you couldn't even get in to see him. It was, you know, this man was so important, is was worth a lot of money. But the problem internally was that he was very depressed, mm. and he hated what he did, and actually was almost suicidal. And it, and he's not afraid to tell you that in public. And so he ended up quitting cold because he realized that the happiness factor was what was most important to him. And this was a man that anyone would strive to have his job. So 
what he did was go on basically a sojourn to figure out what the heck it was that made him happy. And he ended up discovering things like Buddhism that had resonance with him and, and different theories of life and, and minimalist attitude and just different ways that would bring him more contentment and happiness. And now what he does, he after he went through this entire shift, which is why the word shift is so important in my book, because all the people in my book went through major shifts. And so now what he does is he takes management of startups from Silicon Valley or, you know, different, different little pockets of uh, technology around the country. And he takes management and he not only teaches them how to create a board of directors and raise capital to create a great company, but he dives deep into who they are as people. And he says, is this even really what you want to do? Mm. So it's a three-day series of a lot of tears, actually. Yeah. Um, and he digs deep and he makes these people figure out, let's go to happiness first before we start going to, hey, I'm going to be the next Google. You know, I'm so thrilled to hear let's go to happiness first because, again, the trajectory for so many is look at the job opportunity, check out the title, the responsibilities, and the money. And they yes. never consider, or rarely, consider what they value and what makes them happy. So let's dive deep. You're the expert. What are some ways that people can find what they're meant to do? Yes, this is what I do all day long, Caroline. And I love that question because that is so important to me. And I deal with people from Harvard to kids that are graduating from school and even people that have never been to college. So yeah. my, I have a plethora of network that's very, very deep and broad. And everyone has their story. But what I have found is that there is a common theme in, in leaning toward finding what you're meant to do. And I look at these three elements across anyone, whether they're a baby boomer, whether they're a millennial, all of which have different attitudes and different approaches to work. But the three things that I have found that really help people find what they're meant to do are they need to embrace change. So throughout what's happening now is in the olden days, people never changed jobs. Right. Like my, my uncle started at the bottom of a major public steel company, and it was the only job he ever had, and he ended up being president. So that was that era. And then it became more of, oh, God, the stigma of getting fired and changing jobs a couple times. Now it's become where millennials are, there are statistics, and I can cite several different statistics. Gallup provides a lot of them that show millennials could change as much as 10 times. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and they're fine with it, and they're going to create their own path. So change is very prevalent now in our lifestyle, and it's no longer a stigma to be fired. There's always a story around being fired, and I'm very good at presenting that when I help people find what they're meant to do. So you need to embrace change and not be afraid of it and not feel that there are stigmas attached to change. So that's number one. Number two is that you need to focus on happiness as your end goal. So if your passion, and many times this may sound um, different than what you've heard, but many times we almost know this as a kid. Yeah. If you look back to your childhood of things that really made you happy, for example, my daughter loved to put on plays and she would charge people 25 cents. <laughs> and, I mean, I, and now she works for the number one country in the world. She lives in London. But at night and weekends, she does musical theater. Good for her. 
And it's just, I look back to her childhood and I think, oh my goodness, she's always done that. Right. That was her destiny. Yeah. That was, that was her passion and she still follows it even though she's in a corporate job. She has found a way to not only find success in her work, but find her passion. So she's been able to balance both. So she, she looked at happiness as her number one goal, not the money. And then number three, this to me is so crucial. You need to know that you matter. So sometimes when people say to me, Jody, get me out of here. I'm working 110 hour weeks. I, I, don't, I see my child a half hour a day. I'm miserable. Okay, maybe you need to make a shift, but let's dig deeper. And that's one thing I do with each person I speak with. Let's dig deep. Let's find out what's really going on. And sometimes it's the fact that they feel they don't have a voice in the company they're not, they don't matter. Their contributions are trivial and they feel like, what am I even doing here? I'm just part of a cog in a wheel. I'm just part of the machine. Like, where do I come into this? Where is my voice? Where am I going? So I can just imagine literally millions of people listening, nodding their head, right? They're saying, that's me. I can relate. I absolutely understand. So should they speak up? In, in life and at work, how do, they, how do they get this started, this conversation? Yes. Um, in fact, I just wrote an article. Um, Bloomberg just interviewed me and Hearst Media and HR.com. And, and one of my pieces of, of advice in terms of determining if it's time for you to make a shift is, A, you need to speak up. You need to speak up whether it's my advice is to have a one-on-one with your immediate supervisor or your boss because sometimes that's where a lot of the the disconnect comes from because as as we both know a lot of people leave jobs because of the people right not not just because of the money and some people chase the money it's true and they make it clear and i say you're chasing money so let's look at that mm-hmm. but um really people leave because of the people so i i suggest that they sit down with their boss or their supervisor, and they really start to speak up about their dissatisfaction, but not in a way that it's all negative either. They need, they need to figure out a way that they're, they can get on the same page as their boss, their team, the company, the vision, so that they feel they matter. And if they can get there, they might find that they're actually happier in that job than they think, or at least that they're on a path to being heard. And that alone can make a big difference. And so not everyone necessarily needs to jump ship. So I, I, I like to dig deep and find out what's at, the, what's at the bottom of their dissatisfaction. Jody, I'm with you 100%. I think suffering is optional. And if you don't speak up, you'll just continue in that spiral of, of suffering. So well done. Yes. Let's talk about defining success because I truly believe everybody has a different definition of success. And I think that's really liberating. So how does one know beyond money, beyond that factor, when they found success? Well, here's a good example. Um, There is a gentleman in my book, his name is Manoj, and he was the CEO of a software company. And he had dreams of becoming the next CEO of Microsoft or Google. And he's from India. And as, as we both know, a lot of, a lot of very successful CEOs come out of India. And from his perspective, the strategy for families was to put their kids in an MBA program in the United States and right. they would become you know, CEOs eventually of these big companies and IPOs. So he was, and his company was doing fine, but inside he just knew that 
he wasn't happy doing what he was doing and he was successful. So what he started to notice was that his wife was very into meditation and yoga and, and she was happy all the time. So he started to help her collect deity art, Hindu and Buddhist deity art, which is very big over there. And now he left his job. He ended up becoming, he and his wife, the largest collectors of this Hindu deity art in the United States. And he has been trained and to the point where he can tell you who your Hindu archetype is. Wow. And it's so inspiring. And now when you meet him, he's in a t-shirt and bare feet and has a smile that goes ear to ear and <laughs> eyes that twinkle. And he says, Jody, I'm doing what I'm meant to do. I love my life. I don't even ask for money. I don't promote. And we are booked solid all year long. Wow. Wow. That's a and great story. So he's just fantastic. In fact, just to add as a caveat, my, um, my copy editor read the book and was helping copy edit all the grammatical, as you know, when we write books. Oh, yeah. Um, so she said, Jody, his story resonated the most with me out of all the stories, and I'm packing up my bags and I'm moving to New York City. Ah, that's brilliant. <laughs> so that's brilliant. I was really proud of her. Well, and I agree. The um, the exponential effect of, of shifting and reinventing impacts other people and inspires other people. And clearly, you've seen that through all the people with whom you've worked. Yes, so let's talk about sustaining it after making a shift. You know, you shared so many dramatic shifts. How how does one sustain that? That seems daunting. Yeah, that's true. Um, some people, it, a lot of it comes down to who you are and sort of what's inside you and, and the courage that you have. And, you know, I'm, I'm the lens to all these people and I chronicle their stories. And, and sometimes people make a shift and, or they can't make a shift, let's say, because they're scared yeah. or they're afraid the money won't follow or they won't be successful. So it, it, part of it just comes from who you are within. And once you're, you've made the shift and you've found the happiness, it's pretty easy to sustain because you, you almost don't pay attention to time. You're almost in your zone. And so it's easy to keep that momentum going because you finally found what you're meant to do and you love it so much. But if you've made the shift and you're struggling and the financial hasn't followed, sometimes you have to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that depends on, on your community or your relationship or your family as to how you might make that balance work. So it, it's hard to put everyone in one bucket, but sustaining it if you've truly found your passion and, and happiness is there is pretty easy. And I think another way to keep it going when you go through maybe the struggles along that way, if it's not perfect yet, you have to tell yourself it's okay. And instead of the negative talk and the fear, which paralyzes us so many times, you have to go more with positive self-talk. And it's amazing how little things can help you just get through that next day and that next hurdle. And all of a sudden you turn the corner and great things happen. So you need to have positive self-talk, patience, and just constantly tell yourself, I am on my path. Mm, yeah. I am on my path. Even though there's this big boulder, I'm just going to find a way to get around it. And it's okay that everything isn't perfect, but good things are coming to me. Good things are happening. And if you can self-soothe yourself, it's amazing how all of a sudden good things do start to come into your life. They do. They do. 
So I'm a big believer in that. And believe me, I counsel not only professionals, but I take my own children as examples. My son's a senior in college. He's not sure what he wants to do. He's a great tennis player. He's like, Mom, I don't know what I want to do. And, and I tell him, look at all these great things you're good at. And he's like, you know, I am. Mm. I, I have longevity. I've stuck with things for a long period of time. And it's just the way you talk to yourself and you, and you look at your world. And so I think that's really important and to know it's okay where you're at. Jody, I so appreciate that you've done a lot of research in yes. preparation for the book. You've interviewed probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. And yes. there was a common denominator with some of the challenges. Can you speak to that? Yes. Um, you know, at the, at, at the end of the book, I ended up choosing eight people's stories out of about, I probably had about 90 stories. Yeah. And... I found that people, um, th there are a lot of commonalities and a lot of overlap with everyone. And some of the biggest overlaps were that their shifts were pretty big. These were people that had big shifts. And, and the other common overlap was that they weren't, I wanted to choose people that were identifiable and that the, the world could, I, could feel a sense of connection with. So for example, I didn't go for some of the big celebrities that I know or the big people in television I used to work with or the big or the CEOs of major major corporations I used to consult for. I could have had them in the book. But instead, I went with people that have gone through major shifts emotionally. There's a common commonality because we all have emotional shifts all the time. We don't always talk about them. So there was commonality on that. Some people went through some health shifts, um, which can just smack you in the face. Yeah. Um, people found that um, when they really followed their bliss, they actually came out happy on the other side. And that happened with all these people. But it was really important for me to, to have people that every reader could identify with at least one or more of the stories. So not everyone's a CEO, although I do have the CEO of Squaw Valley, whose story is phenomenal. And I have a venture capitalist and I have another, you know, I told you about the gentleman who ended up doing the Hindu deity art. Right. I, have a, I have a mother who, whose life was perfect and she was perfect, but inside she wasn't. And then her life just fell apart in every way you can imagine until she shifted her internal self-belief. And when she finally went through a very strong emotional shift, everything started to fall in place for her. It was almost like little miracles, but it took her changing her attitude and the way she looked at her life and, and really looking within. And I think we all need, we all have that. It's not just the people in this book. We all have to look deep within ourselves for our happiness. It's, you can't compare yourself. You can't look at someone else's path. It really doesn't matter in the end. It's what, you, what matters to you. And you have to look in the mirror and be honest. And I believe that that's what people will really resonate with when they read the book. Jody Miller, you truly are the work happiness expert and your extraordinary book is From Drift to Shift, How Change Can Bring True Meaning and Happiness to Your Work and Life. So Jody, tell us how we can buy the book and follow you online. You've got so many incredible resources. Oh, thank you so much, Caroline. Um, I'd say the best way to click 
any of my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, is to go to my author site, and that is www.jody with a Y, B as in Barry, Miller.com. So jodybmiller.com. And from there, you can click on your favorite bookstore and you can pre order the hardcover, hardcover, softcover, or audiobook, and you can start to buy the ebook Tuesday. April 18th, 2017. And so it's a staged release because I'm doing a lot of speaking and I really want the world to to get a feel for the book and to download the book and then the bookstores will start to carry the book this summer. Jody, I'm so grateful that you shared your wisdom and expertise with us today. I wish you continued success and great joy as you spread this book out into the world and I hope our paths cross again soon. Me too. And best of luck with you. And I love your podcast. I listen to it so often. I love your energy. And you and I are so much on the same path of what we believe in having a happy life and a happy career. We are indeed kindred spirits. Thanks, Jody. Be well, my dear. Take good care. Thanks to you too. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career and life destiny so it doesn't happen by default. My show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe so you get new shows every week. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care. 